0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Wednesday edition, new inflation numbers out and the Biden administration has set another record. Consumer price index rising by 7%, the highest in nearly four decades. What's driving the dramatic rise in prices? Can it really be traced to the policies of the Biden administration? We'll talk a little later with Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. In a way, President Biden might be relieved by the bad economic numbers because that has been the focus of today's headlines and not his speech in Atlanta yesterday that, well, has not gotten such good
1: reviews. The president's rant, rant yesterday was incoherent, incorrect, And beneath his office.
0: That was Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor earlier today reacting to the president's attempt to sell the Democrats' federal takeover of elections. I'll have more on the president's speech a little later on Washington Watch. And speaking of Democrats and the president, Mr. Biden will be huddling with Senate Democrats tomorrow on Capitol Hill, apparently to walk through their game plan. What are Republicans doing to prepare? We'll talk with Coach Tommy Tuberville. Senator from Alabama. We'll also get his readout on Dr. Fauci's combative appearance on Capitol Hill yesterday.
2: Senator you are it. totally
0: incorrect.
3: Well, we look Marshall, forward to reviewing
2: Luke, it. Senator Marshall, Dr. Fauci has answered you. It is public information, and he's happy to give it to you if you would ask. Senator Moran.
0: What a moron. Jesus Christ. That was uh, Dr. Fauci not responding to a question from Kansas Senator Dr. Roger Marshall, a member of the Senate Health Committee. Instead, you could hear him whispering under his breath, the hot mic moment, that Senator Marshall was a moron. Hmm. Also, it was uh, just a matter of time. Remember the infamous parents at school board meetings or domestic terrorist letter? Well, unlike the Russian collusion hoax, there was no doubt from the beginning that the letter from the National School Boards Association to President Biden, which triggered uh, Attorney General Mary Garland immediately creating a task force to track parents, that there was collusion between the Biden administration and the National School Boards Association. Well, the evidence has surfaced. We'll get the details from Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller. Later here on Washington Watch, the website TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to miss any of the program, it's all archived later at TonyPerkins.com. Today's Bible verse, coming from our reading in Genesis 28 and 29, is Genesis 28:15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. End quote. That was the passage that first records Jacob's encounter with God at Bethel, which not only changed his life, it came with an ironclad commitment. God would never leave him, and he would do what he had promised, and he will do the same for you and for me. I encourage you to join us in our two-year journey through the Bible. Go to frc.org Bible. President Biden will huddle with Senate Democrats during their regular caucus lunch tomorrow and will reportedly be working the phones over the next several days to try to get senators to back the federal takeover of elections and eliminate the Senate filibuster, the legislative filibuster. All this after making his case yesterday for the rule of the majority and silencing the minority. When it comes
3: to protecting majority rule in America, the majority should rule in the United States Senate.
0: It's interesting. I always thought our Constitution protected the minority. With me now to talk about the Democrats' power grab is U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, who is a member of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. Coach, welcome back to the program. Tony, how are you? I'm doing fine, sir. Uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. You too? Let me first, uh, before we get into yesterday's hearing and some of the inf- information about COVID and China, the China connection, let me get your reaction to pr- the president's speech pushing for this federal takeover of elections.
4: Well, I thought it was the worst speech I've ever heard a president give. Very combative. Uh, sounds like he had too many cups of coffee on Air Force One flying to Georgia, uh, calling the Republicans racist. I mean, he is just, I, I don't know where he's coming from, it we don't see him. We don't get to talk to him. We don't get to talk to many of the Democrats. Everything is kind of on their side of the field. They, they're they trying to push everything through. This filibuster is a absolute joke of trying to change the rules in the Senate. You know, especially when President, President Biden, uh, Kamala Harris... Uh, and Chuck Schumer, just a few years ago, they're all against getting right, with, rid of the filibuster. So it is—it's uh, a power grab. It's a power for dependency. They want to—they want to retain power. Tony, and the only way they can retain power, the way they've screwed our country up from top to bottom, they've destroyed everything that President Trump and the American people have built for the last four or five years. They've sent it all the way to the bottom. And the only way they're going to get people to vote for them next November. Is to be able to change the rules here in Washington D.C. of how we vote, and we're not going to stand for that. People have the right to vote already. We had more people vote, Tony, last time in the elect- two thousand twenty election, than they've ever voted in their, in in our in, in the history. So uh, uh, it, it's just a Democrat power grab. Is all it is.
0: Now I'm I'm going to talk more about this a little bit later in the program on the the new numbers on the consumer price index, seven percent inflation. I mean, if they eliminate the filibuster. They're only going to push through more, and, and this idea that it's going to be a carve out just for elections is nonsense. The Build Back Better, a big, big, big back, or build bigger government program that will go through that will only make the situation with inflation worse. So, by the way, you're going to be doing the Democrats a favor if you block them from being able to get all their policies through.
4: Tony, the American people are struggling. I went in a grocery store last night about seven thirty here in Washington D.C., and the shelves are. Almost half empty. Uh, I've never seen this before. It's embarrassing to know that we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And they've managed in less than a year. He was he was uh, uh, inaugurated the 20th of January last year. We had not made it a year yet. And we're at the bottom of the totem pole in almost everything that they've tried to touch. And it's embarrassing to me as a senator. Now, it's embarrassing to the rest of the Republicans. And I feel bad for the uh, American citizens on both sides of the aisle across this country. They don't deserve this. We're in a pandemic. That's what we should be focusing on. And we've got the commander in chief running to Georgia, giving the worst speech I've ever heard, calling people racist. And he can't even get the top Democrat in the state, Stacey Abrams, to show up to the speech. And she's running for governor. Uh, it just goes to show you where they, they stand right now as a, as a, as a party themselves.
0: Well, Senator, you bring up some really good points, and I've heard, and I've actually looked, I've not only heard from citizens across the country, but I've looked at the uh, the latest polling and survey data, and in eclipsing COVID, as bad as that is right now, people are more concerned about inflation. Why is the president not talking about economic policy that will get people back to work and get the economy
4: moving again? Because he's got people around him, progressives around him, that have an agenda and they're going through a totem pole or step stair steps of what they want to get done, they could care less about the American people. They could care less about COVID. They have things that they want to get done. They know they're going to lose a majority, more than likely, in the House, hopefully the Senate next November. So they're trying to jam everything thing down people's throat uh, as they can in a short period of time. We're not going to allow that to happen. The American people do not deserve it, Tony.
0: Yeah, Senator, is all about uh, power. Let's. Uh, I want to switch gears here. Go to yesterday's uh, HELP committee hearing. Newly redacted emails showing uh, President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Uh, vaccine Fauci, knew about evidence showing a connection between the virus and the Wuhan lab. What can you tell us about that?
4: Well, we, we've been we've been trying to get some kind of an investigation going. You know, uh, China has been stonewalling us every step of the way. Uh, They don't want us to uncover the truth. That's why we helped introduce a bill with Senator Rubio about the sanctions, uh, authorized sanctions against the Chinese government, if they fail to show us what happened. You know, I've talked to the former CDC director here that was with Trump, and they begged China to let us come in when this first happened. He said, if they would have allowed us to come in, no matter what happened, we'd had a better handle on what's going on as we speak. Uh, But it didn't happen. They didn't let us come in. But this COVID is not a priority to this administration, to the Biden administration. It is not a priority. Uh, Obviously, inflation is not a priority. Uh, They're working on voting rights so they can keep the power. It just it just amazes me uh, how they think the American people think this is the thing to do. But I'm telling you, the polling does not show that.
0: Well, I, I think it's they're using the American people as cover for what they want to do, and that again, it's just to retain and grow their power to control all the levers of government. Now, look, as we've uh, you know, we're seeing now that the vaccine really doesn't work as well as we've been told. You know, the breakthrough cases with the Omicron. Uh, is NIH and uh, is the uh, the president's uh, advisors looking at other means of treating COVID now?
4: Well, I don't know if you watched any of the, the hearing yesterday. One thing I wanted to find out, who is running the show? Uh, you, you've got to have a head coach, so to speak, of uh, like President Trump had Operation Warp Speed. Who in the White House is running the show? And Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, stood up basically said, you know, this we we have one person that we all answer to over there uh, nobody knows who it is hardly. Uh, you know, he gave us his name, but you know, it's a situation where there's no consistency, Tony, and what they talk about, you know, you know, the CDC director, Dr. Walensky yesterday talking about the five day quarantine. This time last week, it was 10 day quarantine. Uh, we've got, they're saying we have five or 600,000 cases of, of COVID a day now, this new Omicron variant. Well, we don't have that many tests. Where in the world are they coming up with all these people that, uh, uh, you know, they're, that they're getting all these, these positives and most of them are asymptomatic anyway. But, uh, you know, we've got to go back to China. Uh, we, we, we've got to hold them responsible. Uh, we've got to do everything we possibly can to get the American people back to work, kids back to school. Uh, you know, this is more like a cold. This variant is more like a cold than it is the COVID that hit us over a year ago. We got to understand that, you know, we don't. We don't keep kids from going to school because of a cold. We don't keep uh, people out of work because of a cold. We've got to keep pressing this administration right. to say we've got to get back to a normal life. Well, and,
0: and many other countries are doing that. They're learning how to to, to navigate and function. And, I, and you know, I said this at the very beginning. Don't think this was a one-off back uh, two years ago when we first saw this. This is a new unfortunately probably going to be a new way of uh, of living in this uh, you know global world in which we live where you've got people like china um either being irresponsible or intentionally releasing things like this this is we're just going to have to learn how to function
4: yeah and they say that we we're, we're going to be uh uh hit with some kind of variant you know for a long time now that's fine you know we've been able to handle the flu Uh, Since you and I have been born, you know, we take a flu shot. uh, You know, we overcome it uh, a few days. We get back to work. We go back to school. We get back to normal life. You know, the thing that that I was very concerned about with therapeutics. You know, the therapeutics, with, and I talked to Dr. Fauci about this yesterday. I've talked to doctors and nurses all over the state of Alabama. Uh, They use ivermectin, and it's very helpful. Uh, They use the monoclonal antibodies. But the problem with the antibodies is... Is uh, the Biden administration canceled an order last April? We have very few left. They right. canceled the order that President Trump had put in because they didn't think we would need it. They canceled orders of tests. Uh, the animals are running as the a uh, there's right. no, there, there's no organization of this. We can't beat this unless we get people on the same page. We've got to be able to treat it. You know this vaccine. You know we've all most of us have taken it. It's not blocking the uh, the virus that might help us a little bit. But, but it's not blocking. We've got to be able I to. I just treat
0: wish, them. Senator, I just wish they'd follow the science that
4: they <laughs> say that they follow.
0: Senator, yeah. out of time. Always great to Thank talk you. with you. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: Thank you, Tony. God bless. All right. Senator
0: Tommy Tuberville of uh, Alabama. All right. Coming up next, some new emails show the collusion between the Biden administration and the National School Boards Association. Oh go away.
6: to six seven seven
0: four two welcome back to Washington watch I'm Tony Perkins your host and the website is Tony an email recently obtained through a freedom of information act request for you is tying Education Secretary Miguel Cardona to the infamous letter from the National School Boards Association that equated the growing pushback from concerned parents across America to domestic terrorism. Now, in the October 5th email obtained by Parents Defending Education, NSBA Secretary-Treasurer Christy uh, Sweat recounted that NSBA interim CEO Chip Slavin told the officers he was writing a letter to provide information to the White House from a request by Secretary Cardona. So how involved was the education secretary in the coordination between the NSBA and the Biden administration and their efforts against parents? Did Cardona tell them to use the term domestic terrorists so that the FBI could justify their involvement? Now, what's interesting is this has been the focus of a number of hearings on Capitol Hill. In fact, um, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas uh, in October was uh, questioning Attorney General Merrick Garland about this issue and whether or not there was coordination. Here's that exchange that took place on October 27th.
1: Are you aware of conversations between your Department of Justice officials and White House officials and the members of the School Board Association all cooperating together, which is why you were able to move in four days, Judge. Four days, two of which were weekends.
0: As I said,
3: I am sure there were conversations with the White House. I have no idea whether there were conversations with the School Board Association.
0: Well, I, I bet we're going to find out if there were. Well, my next guest is uh, here to join us to answer some of these questions because I do think we've found out. Joining me now is Congresswoman Mary Miller, who is a member of the House Education and Labor Committee, as well as the House Freedom Caucus. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois, and she has written a letter to the Secretary of Education. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program.
2: Hi, it's great to be here.
0: Now, yesterday you sent a letter to Secretary Cardona. What have you asked him?
2: Well, I want the Education and Labor Committee to hold hearings <clears throat> immediately so he can testify under oath and we can find out the truth. He does, from my experience with him is he knows how to wiggle and pivot and possibly even lie. And I think we need, this is an outrageous uh, claim um, and we need to know from him under oath what actually happened.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I think he has to be under oath when he testifies. Uh, it's interesting that a spokesperson for the Department of Education told Fox News Digital in response to this FOIA release that the secretary did not solicit a letter from NSBA, but it isn't clear from the email that he made some sort of request that may have prompted the letter. I personally think, uh, given the specificity of the letter pointing to the the, uh, the Patriot Act Uh, Talking about domestic terrorism, I think they were coached in what to put in that letter so that the Department of Justice would be justified in creating their task force.
2: Right. Well, I think until we have the hearings, we won't really know. And that's why we need to. I want those immediately. I don't think we should let this go any farther. And what's happening in our country is outrageous. They're going after regular people and just the language they are using. Calling Americans, um, you know, regular people, upstanding citizens, people that want to advocate for their parents, for their children, um, you know, attacking parents and calling us domestic terrorists and um, just the way the FBI is going after people and treating people. This is terrible.
0: Now, Congresswoman, I know you have been very pointed in your questions of the secretary when he has appeared before your committee about the curriculum, the woke curriculum that he has been pushing. I mean, when in fact, it goes back to when he was uh, education commissioner in Connecticut, he's been pushing for transgenderism in the schools. So uh, should we be surprised that he wants to muzzle parents so that they can get this agenda through?
2: Um, Well, definitely not. I mean, he um, he has a memo out basically saying that if anybody in public school, a teacher, a student says that there's two genders that you're guilty of harassment, which is just setting up teachers to be fired or students to be disciplined. And when I, in response to that, wanted to pin him down, well, if there's not two genders, how many genders are there? He refuse to answer me. Um, But um, yes, we are surprised at how they're going after regular Americans, but I'd like to return the surprise to him. And I want Americans to wake up and fight back and quit being passive, get off the sidelines. Um, The schools belong to us. We fund them. Those are our children. And the schools are accountable to us. We want transparency in the curriculum. We want accountability. We don't want D.C. elites telling us how to raise our children and how to live.
0: So, Mary, what can our listeners do to uh, to help you in this effort?
2: Um, well, I'm trying to get people to see the importance of state and local efforts. And I really want to encourage people to start showing up to their school board meetings, find out what the curriculum is that their children are using, you should be able to go in. Um, I would recommend going to school and ask them to, you want to borrow the literature and the history curriculum or pick a couple books out and bring them home and peruse them over the week, weekend, and then share what you find and run for school board, help other people maybe that want to run for school board, but definitely don't diminish the impact of these um. What we would call like lower offices, I, I think that they're very important. It's a firewall to this out of control fi- federal government.
0: So has uh, Chairman, as the Chairman of the Education, Labor, and Education Committee agreed to call uh, Secretary Cardona bef- before the committee to answer these questions?
2: Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure yet.
0: But well, we certainly hope that he will agree to the request by Republicans to hold the, uh, the department yes. accountable. Uh, Mary Miller, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today.
2: You too. Keep up the great work. You're doing a great work.
0: Thank you, Mary. Good to see you. All right, folks, stick around. On the other side of the break, I'm going to go back to the president's speech yesterday in Atlanta. I'll tell you, I have to agree with uh, the Republican leader in the Senate. It was a horrible speech. You know, I'm, I'm a student of, uh, of speeches. Read most of the great speeches. And, you know, many presidents I disagree with have been good orators. I mean, I think Barack Obama made some good speeches. Bill Clinton made some good speeches. Yesterday, it was a horrible speech, but there were some lies in it. We're going to talk about it. Don't go away. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. President Biden's speech in Atlanta, Georgia, yesterday, uh, pushing election takeover bill and elimination of the filibuster, um, was not his finest moment. Now, let me just say this. I know I'm a conservative, um, I guess identify as Republican, but I'm more of a conservative Christian who believes in truth. And I'm not a fan of the Democratic Party and their agenda. That said, I can honestly say before you that I pray for this President uh, because I think we're supposed to, and I'm very, very careful when i uh, I criticize the president and i 'm not criticizing him as an individual. you never heard me make fun of him and the things that he does. I focus on his policies. I do that with everybody. My goal is to focus on policies now. I want you to go. I want to go through and play a few clips from the president's speech. And, I, I'm, and I'm this is instructive. OK, this is the reason I'm doing it. Uh, here's the first clip. It's about it's about a minute long, but it's it, it combines about three different aspects, because I want to make a point of these three different statements that he makes during his speech.
3: That's why we're here today to stand against the forces in America that value power over principle, forces that attempted a coup a coup against the legally expressed will of the american people by sowing doubt inventing charges of fraud and seeking to steal the 2020 election from the people they want chaos to reign we want the people to rule the goal of the former president's allies is to disenfranchise anyone who votes against them simple as that the facts won't matter your vote won't matter They'll just decide what they want and then do it. That's the kind of power you see in totalitarian states, not in democracies. We will choose. The issue is, will we choose democracy over autocracy, light over shadows, justice over injustice?
0: Now, I play those clips because he's talking about the totalitarian autocracy of, uh, I, 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 I mean, clearly he's pointing to President Trump and those who had concerns about the outcome of last election, but I'm not sure how he does this with a straight face when this is President Joe mandate Biden, who is mandating that people get inject their bodies with vaccines against their will or lose their jobs. He's driving people out of the military, refusing. They have approved zero, zero religious exemptions over the vaccine in our military. Talking about authoritarian. Look, I'm telling you what you see happening in the Democratic Party is projecting called projection. They are projecting onto the rest of America what they truly want. And that is to control. Now, I, I want to sh- play another clip because this is where the, the president, um, he's just not truthful. I, I hate to say it, but he's just not truthful. Play clip number seven.
3: Taking away the options has a predictable effect. Longer lines at the polls. Lines that can last for hours. You've seen them with your own eyes. People get tired. They get hungry. When the Bible teaches us to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty, the new Georgia law actually makes it illegal. Think of this. I mean, it's 2020. And now 22 going into that election. It makes it illegal to bring your neighbors Your fellow voters, food or water, while they wait in line to vote. What in the hell
0: heck are we talking about? Now, what he's talking about these longer lines is because the, and it's it's just absolutely false. Prior to 2020, um, Georgia did not allow for drop boxes. Okay, and then in this COVID pandemic they had them but they weren't regulated. So the new law from Georgia actually for the first time authorizes ballot drop boxes. Those can be used to to drop off your ballot uh when you're when you're you're voting. Now the president doesn't acknowledge the fact that it's the first time this has been made legal, but then he goes into this repeated line, which he's gotten four Pinocchios from the Washington Post for doing this saying that you cannot give food or water to people in line. Well, with 100 and f- within 150 feet you cannot campaign and hand out water bottles that have your campaign logo on it. Election officials can give water, they can give food, but campaigns cannot. This is this is actually the same law they have in New York and elsewhere. The president is not being honest with the American people. This is about pure unadulterated, grab for power. It's what they're trying to do. They want to solidify power. I mean, the president goes on to rail against the, the states that have changed their election laws. How is it that 30-some states could collectively be wrong and he be right? Look, the states have gone back to ensure those areas that were exposed during the pandemic that allowed loopholes are being fixed so that it's easy to vote but hard to cheat i hate to tell you this folks but your president is not honest he's not honest with you and the democratic party they're not about helping the american people they're about helping themselves to power All right. Don't go away. When we come back, Texas Congressman Kevin Brady joins me to talk about the skyrocketing inflation numbers. What's driving it? Is it the policies of this administration? We'll talk about it next. You're on Washington Watch.
9: Visit FRC.org slash internships to apply.
0: I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. If you'd like to respond to me, you can email me, Tony, at TonyPerkins.com. All right, I I, I used the number incorrectly. I said, I think, 30-something. I want to play another clip from the president re- referring to the states that have uh, actually changed their election law. I think 47 introduced over 400, I think actually 450 different bills to uh, reform elections. 19 states actually passed about 34 laws. I want to play this clip uh, from the president yesterday speaking to this issue. Clip number eight.
3: It's not just here in Georgia. Last year alone, 19 states not proposed, but enacted 34 laws attacking voting rights. There were nearly 400 additional bills Republican members of state legislatures tried to pass. And now Republican legislators in several states have already announced plans to escalate the onslaught this year.
0: Now, these are states, obviously, that have Democratic members as well, Uh, but he is right. There are more states poised to pass additional election reform measures to fix the issues that were exposed in the 2020 election because of these oftentimes unilateral decisions that were made by election officers and not approved by state legislatures, which have the constitutional authority, in most cases, to pass election laws or establish those election laws. So, again, just think about this for a moment. You have uh, approaching nearly half of the states that have passed election reform measures. Can all of those be wrong and the president and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer be right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Again, this is all about power. Right, According to a new Labor Department report released earlier today, the Consumer Price Index rose 7% in December from a year ago. Now, hold on to your hat. That marks the fastest rate in nearly 40 years, to be exact, since June of 1982 when I was in the Marine Corps. And that makes December the seventh straight month of inflation above 5%. Now, what does that tell us? Well, here to discuss the latest report is Congressman Kevin Brady. He is the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Brady, welcome back to the program.
1: Good to see you, Tony. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Happy New Year.
1: Same to you. I hope you had a great holidays.
0: I did. I did. So for those watching and listening who might not understand how inflation works, what do these latest figures tell us?
1: Yeah, so they're they're crushing, as you'd imagine, for working-class families. It's 7%, you know, highest in 40 years. What it translates in, in real terms is, you know, an average family in America uh, paid $3,500 more last year, $3,500 more, to buy exactly the same things they bought the year before. Uh, for a lot of families, $3,500 is a huge amount of money, and to put it in perspective – You know, we're always trying to get ahead, right? We always want uh, each year to have a little more in our family budget than the year before. This past year, in effect, took families back three years in their gains on their paychecks uh, because of how high this inflation is. And in truth, it has lowered the standard of living for a lot of families. Worse, there's no end in sight, you know, the, President Biden and the Federal Reserve dismissed our concerns about inflation when it started in right after he was sworn in, just simply said, this isn't a problem. It doesn't exist. It won't last long. We knew that to be different. They're still in denial a bit about it. But more recently, I think even the Federal Reserve has admitted that inflation is here to stay. It's going to be higher and last far, far longer. And, you know, for the viewers of Washington Watch, what we should be worrying about are Biden policies like Build Back Better will actually make inflation worse and make it last longer. So a lot of families are going to feel this pain, you know, for a long time. And right now in America, you know, uh, if you think that the rest of the world is experiencing this, you know, America leads the world in the highest inflation. Uh, And Build Back Better, frankly, is going to make that worse.
0: Well, recent survey data should be very telling to this administration. When Americans are ranking inflation concerns above that of the coronavirus, as many people that uh, that have been infected by this latest variant, and as widespread as it is, they're more concerned about inflation.
1: And they should be because there's no end in sight. Uh, we've seen, you know, families obviously get crushed by this. But the reason we all ought to worry is that the small businesses that we go to in our hometowns are seeing price increases of nine percent or greater on what they're buying. In most small businesses, uh, you know, can't swallow all that, so they're passing those prices along. They too are very worried about the inflation just catching out what they call. In economics, that wage-price spiral means you're caught in a really tough situation where wages go up, prices go up higher, wages go up. So you never get out of that spiral. This is what, frankly, no party should hope to see in their economy. But right now, thanks to the president, and I think voters get this. They understand whose policies are driving this. Can you imagine if Democrats in Congress fuel that inflation with another 5 trillion dollars of spending and build back better. Can you imagine how bad that will get?
0: Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute. I want to kind of classes in session here. We got a little time to talk about this in in this longer segment and I want my my viewers and listeners to be be educated. This is pretty basic Economics here, when I- inflation is driven by more money being pushed into the economy, and of course we we saw the stimulus during the first outbreaks of coronavirus to try to keep the the engine of the economy idling so that when it passed it could take off. Didn't want it to sputter. Didn't want it to uh, to die out. But instead of realizing it and regulating, it, and it, quite frankly, it's a tricky thing to do. Uh, none of this is uh, is is easy. But instead of doing that, they were intoxicated with federal spending. So as soon as Biden came in, they they pushed more money into the economy. And as you've pointed out, they will only do more damage if they're successful in eliminating the filibuster rules and then pushing through the build back bigger plan.
1: Yeah, and it is, as you said, this is the uh, sort of defining difference in philosophies between Republicans and Democrats, the free market Republicans and Democrats. Democrats believe in uh, demand-side economic growth, which means push as much government spending into the economy as possible. That will raise demand uh, and we'll have economic growth. But we believe in supply-side economics, where You you create incentives, lower taxes, balanced regulation, where businesses invest in their workers, in expansion, in growth, in higher paychecks, back into the U.S. economy. And from that, you see higher paychecks, but without the inflation that goes with it. And you see what I would say is pure growth. We saw this under President Trump and Republicans after our Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We saw America uh, leapfrog to the most competitive economy on the planet. We saw manufacturing jobs and investment come back from overseas. We saw wages go up uh, the fastest, frankly, uh, wages for families. Their household budgets went up more in 2019 than in all eight years of President Obama and Biden. And we saw wages for people of color, for example, for women, for disabled, go up 70 percent faster than under Obama and Biden. So, you know, when you lower taxes, when you give people more control over their earnings, you know, and you encourage investment here in America and in our workers, you see under President Trump, wages went up twice as fast as prices. It's almost, it's not quite the opposite, but pretty close under Biden. And that's why families are falling behind.
0: So, Congressman Brady, how does the Biden administration get out of this downward spiral that they put the economy in?
1: Yeah, I I would say uh, start with stop making it worse. Uh, Build Back Better will do that. Uh, Not only are they fueling trillions more in the economy, they have provisions that actually are going to pay people more to stay home and go back to work. Uh, By some independent estimates, Almost 2 million Americans will be encouraged to leave the workforce at a time when we frankly need every worker we can get. That is a classic way to drive up inflation higher and longer is fuel the economy with government spending, take workers out of the workforce so you drive prices up even more. So my advice to the president would be uh, stop anything that makes this worse.
0: And then, uh, frankly, what I see from my vantage point, and I've I've been around a while, is that gridlock is probably the best thing that could bring stability back to our economy, meaning that uh, Republicans take control of Congress in the midterm election, keeping the president from advancing these policies that are tanking the economy.
1: There is no question, in fact, we've seen an independent study that shows our economy would be growing faster and inflation would be lower if we had a Biden free economy. So if we Congress didn't Democrats shove through that $2 trillion COVID bill and continue to push policies to drive up inflation, that actually we'd see it lowering. And so that's a pretty I think there's a reason why the first year of the Biden presidency has been so bitterly disappointing. For so many Americans, is that he hasn't made their life better. He's made it worse. And Tony, I want to thank you for your comments just before this segment when you talked about, you know, efforts by the states on election integrity are by no means voter suppression. In fact, there's no evidence of widespread voter uh, suppression at all. That's just the big lie. And in fact, in Texas, we'd already had nearly two full weeks of early voting on weekends, Sundays, and late at night. Uh, the Texas legislature uh, uh, made it easier uh, on to, to do voter ID, made it more convenient. still allows curbside voting if you're disabled and can't go into it. What, we, what the legislature did do, though, was ban ballot harvesting. It is a very corrupt practice that Democrats want to nationalize. It has no place, and it also made sure local election officials, Democrats or Republicans, couldn't manipulate the system by putting uh, uh, drop boxes or drive-through voting to gin up their voters. We insist on equal access to the polls for all voters. That's the right way to do this.
0: You know, there there is something that the president has said that I kind of agree with, although the terminology is different. You know, he says our democracy is at risk. I mean, we're actually a republic. Uh, They don't like to talk about that, but we are a republic. We're not a democracy. Uh, And I do think our republic is at risk. But it's not because of state legislatures that are acting responsibly to ensure that elections are free and fair and that every vote, every legal vote is counted. What is putting our republic at risk is the power-hungry, democratic, leftist-run party that is trying to take over and federalize our election system.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. We've seen, and this is my 26th year, and I love this job and have a lot of faith in this country, but I've seen more efforts to dismantle democratic institutions this year than at any point since I've been in Congress, whether it is trying to end the filibuster in the Senate which is basically, you know, a process that gives the minority party a voice there, whether it is nationalizing the state and local elections, defunding the police. There will be an effort to pack the Supreme Court uh, if they rule correctly, as I hope they do, uh, on the abortion issue. Uh, you're seeing the Speaker of the House basically um, take complete dictatorial control over the House and, uh, and uh, limit, restrict, shrink the rights of minority uh, voices uh, in the House. And so I'm seeing so many, tra- and, and now an effort to weaponize the tax code, to give Congress the ability to target any political enemy uh, in their tax returns. Uh, uh, that worries me as well. And so uh, I, I was offended by President Biden's speech. Every American really should have been, uh, this simply wasn't truthful.
0: Yes, I, uh, I agree. And I, I would say this. I do agree with the president on this, that this is an inflection point in history. And either we will preserve this republic by being engaged in it legally and standing up to those who want to gain power for their own purposes, uh, or we will lose this republic and the freedoms that we have in, enjoyed. Congressman Kevin Brady, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today.
1: Good to see you, Tony. Take care.
0: All right, uh, Congressman Kevin Brady, of Texas, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Look, the the, uh, the filibuster, and what is the legislative filibuster, which has long been in place. Democrats supported it before, but now that they're in the majority, they want to get rid of it. It is the uh, really the thin line that stands between the president pushing through. This horrendous agenda, including the Build Back Better, which, as you just heard from Kevin Brady, who actually helped steer through the tax breaks of uh, President Trump that helped grow the economy and raise wages and real growth for Americans. Look, he said that will only make the situation worse. Folks, we need to be involved. You need to be praying and you need to be communicating to your members of Congress and you need to be running for office, state and local, and maybe Congress. I know a lot of folks out there that have been talking to me running for Congress. Whatever the Lord leads you to do, do it. All right, let me leave you with this. Once again, the words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.